You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Todd Gray. Todd, thanks so much for being with me today. A pleasure. Thank you for having me. Todd, I'm looking forward to talking with you about your work. And I, first, I want to congratulate you on the American Academy in Rome uh, prize that you won for next year. Uh, congratulations. That's pretty exciting, right? Exciting isn't the word, man. I'm kind of floating. I'm still floating about it, looking really forward to the residency that's going to take place next year. Right, something very romantic sounding, and of course, prestigious about that residency. So, I want to talk more about that um, in this interview. But I also want to ask you about your sh- upcoming show at, at David Lewis in uh, East Hampton. We're talking in June 2022, and that's in uh, this August. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what, what will be going in that particular show? Sure. I have a series of work um, uh, called the Atlantic Series, and it's about the um, Atlantic slave trade. I've had a studio in Ghana for 15 years. I have no, absolutely no idea if uh, any of my ancestors are from there because there's no records uh, that I have access to. As far you know, all I know is that my great grand, my forebears were slaves. <laughs> they came from Africa, and that's about it. So I've kind of adopted that place as a home, and I've been photographing uh, slave trails and slave castles and the Atlantic Ocean as a way, and then pairing that work with um, the countries in Europe that started the slave trade. So uh, France and uh, Portugal and England, and I've been shooting um, architecture and imperial uh, gardens and imperial architecture, so villas, castles, things like that, because the money that uh, was accrued came uh, to to do a lot of that stuff was a result of the uh, profits from the slave trade. So here I am showing this work, the Atlantic series, that has been photographed on one part of the continent, and I'm showing it actually in the Hamptons, <laughs> which is on the Atlantic, so where those, where those slave ships... Uh, well, so the, the Hamptons, right? I mean, since, since you chuckled at that, the Hamptons, right? There's this, the, the Hamptons are, you know, talking about geography that you're, you're exploring, the Hamptons is what, you know, seems easily to refer to as a kind of bastion of wealth, right? The, the, in, in many ways, the... Um, exploiters of, of, of so much um, as, as uh, uh, successful capitalists sometimes are, uh, but not always. And so, you know, um, if we can explore that a little bit, having a show like this in, in East Hampton uh, with that crowd, obviously collectors are looking at your work and, and, and people who are steeped in the art world, but also there's a, there's a community that's looking at it that's, um, that it perhaps is in dialogue with. Is, is that, that's what I'm getting at. Like, is there in that particular community, as we think about you know, East Hampton, is it also in dialogue with that community, this particular show and its, and its research and its message? Its primary focus is what I described, which was the historical context on, unto which um, capitalism was built. Capitalism was really built on the back of slavery. It um, allowed the Industrial Revolution because of the uh, cotton industry, because of the sugar industry. Um, uh, there's so many um, hard, hard concentrations of wealth that were uh, uh, amassed in America, but primarily in Europe, and then secondarily in America, that really created the platform for the Industrial Revolution. So 
what I, my research, my photographic research and my artwork is really going beyond America and looking at Europe because it started with Europe. So, but privilege and wealth, you know, show, have no limits. Privilege and wealth exists all over the, all over the globe. So specifically the Hamptons, I, I'm, I'm not singling out the Hamptons. I, I sort of chuckled because the irony, that is a bastion of, uh, of wealth and privilege. However, there's also community there. There are the people that serve. There are the people that do the work. And there are also philanthropists right. that are doing good work that have amassed wealth. So it's not one brush that paints it all. So I'm hoping that this will be a critical pause, a way for people to reflect the past and see how it affects the present. I, I, I love that you said that. That really puts a nice kind of bigger uh, lens on all of it. And it also brings us to, to, to Europe a bit, which is um, to talk about the American Academy in Rome and the fellowship and what you'll be pursuing next year in 2023. Um, let's talk about that because in, in, in I mean, the part of that fellowship, which seems exciting and I, and I read a little bit about it. So I know a little bit about that. You're going to explore, you know, Western Europe and post-colonial Africa and America, but um, but also, isn't the Rome Prize often, um, like many residencies, uh, they encourage you to reflect on where you, where you are, right? That's in some ways the romance of, of that residency, isn't it? You're going to Rome. Um, so is it, is it also connected to, uh, I, I want to hear about what you'll be investigating and exploring and making there, but is it also connect, connected to, to Rome itself? You know, you know, my first awareness of the Rome Prize, which is a very prestigious um, residency, was um, a book that um, Anthony Hernandez uh, did when he received the Rome Par Prize more than 20 years ago, I recall. I remember seeing it, and I was just floored by the photography in it. Uh, and he was photographing... Um, there was a big boom and bust in Italy back then, and a lot of high-rises were made and then uh, abandoned. And so he was going to all of these construction sites and just making fantastic formalist architectural photographs. But underneath these beauties was a critique about the boom and bust and um, uh, economics and so forth. So what I presented to the Rome Prize in my application last year was how um, my awareness that Rome – was at the start of colonization, the Roman Empire. <laughs> That's where, <laughs> you know, where you extend, where one city-state extends its tentacles and extracts um, uh, resources and, and everything from, what, northern Africa, um, eastern Europe, all the way to the U.K., you know, all it's, it's, over. It's literally the, the beginning. You're saying it's literally like the epicenter. Of, 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 exactly. In, in a sense of colonialism. Yeah, that's so interesting. Well, well with this whole idea was birthed in Rome. <laughs> and so I thought, oh my God, this is going to be brilliant. So I'll be photographing um, a lot of the uh, antiquities, uh, uh, statuary, um, relics, as well as the Vatican, because the Catholic Church was responsible. They were on the vanguard of slavery. The Jesuits, the Catholics, they were on the vanguard. They were uh, offering the ethics of it. They were helping these, uh, uh, these savages uh, be saving them and enlightening them to Christianity and saving their souls. So, yeah, they get killed, but they'll go to heaven. So, hey, you know, so the, um, the Catholics were hand-in-hand hand with the imperial powers to um, commodify and uh, exchange black bodies for labor and death. 
So I'll be shooting a lot of uh, beautiful uh, churches and so forth when I make my collage. I do the, uh, once I amass these works, I uh, put them in three-dimensional collages with uh, uh, African landscapes, um, and I'll be uh, photogra- I've, I have a whole archive of African slave trails that are centuries old, where um, Africans were marched from the interior to the coast, and these trails exist. They've been um, uh, uh, marked. And I've been visiting them and photographing them, and so I'll be combining that as well. But that, but and but that's not in Rome. Those trails. Where are those trails? Those are in Africa, and those are already in my archive. So I'll right, be, okay. That, that um, you're going to be comparing with some of the travels you're doing here, because in in Rome, it sounds like. I mean, among other things, you're going to be looking at what you look at in Rome: architecture and art and sculpture. That's. Um, you know that, that that's that's uh, that's ancient. That's a, that's an extraordinarily rich history. Yeah, but it also signifies power, signifies philosophy, signifies ideology, which is allowed this whole idea to think of African bodies as things and not humans, and therefore we can just do what we want and put them to work until they die, and then just replace them, or we can rape as we want to create more slave children. Uh, but this, there was a certain uh, ideology about manifest destiny, um, white supremacy. All of these things are historical, and it really comes from Europe. And um, right. certainly it comes out of the, the whole history of the Roman Empire, as they thought of themselves as superior, and it, and it sort of goes on from there. And as I said, that's linked to the, the church as well, the shield of Christianity to obscure the atrocities of um, uh, of imperial powers, and to really create an excuse that uh, oh no, slavery is okay because we're going to, going to save these souls. So every day I'll be shooting. Um, one one other thing I want to um, point out is so I, I won't I'll only be shooting um, ancient antiquities to really talk about um, um, the semiotics of, of philosophy of, of of Western philosophy and uh, ethics. I'll also be Photo, uh, doing some research and saying, okay, what was made during a certain period of time when uh, there was a lot of trade going on in Europe because of the textile industry, because of cotton? So I'll be sort of peeling away layers and seeing where some of these fortunes uh, came from. And how, that, you know, that, that is so interesting and, 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 and such a kind of... Um of course, painful exploration as well. Your work's been exploring this, these kind of ideas, of course, for a while. Since you're in Rome and, and exploring this relationship, as, as, as we're talking about, about you know, Western Europe to, to, um, uh, to the history that, that you're so involved with, how will it be different that you're there? And I know you're, you're actually looking at these things and photographing them, but is the research or the whole like zeitgeist, uh, for lack of a better word, going to be different because now you're, you're, in, you're, you're, you're in Rome, you're in this kind of um, place where, as, as you're saying, so much has started and where you know, a, whole, a, whole, a whole world got behind it in a sense. You know? um, is it, is it, I'm saying is your research, is your art making itself different because you're physically in a different part of the world and in, of course, this incredibly loaded part of the world in, in the context of what we're talking about? Well, it's really going to come down to this idea of looking. And when you look at something repeatedly, different aspects 
start to reveal themselves. So normally I would go into Paris, I would go to Brussels, and I would photograph three, four, five days, maybe a week, maybe 10 days, and I'm gone. But now I have the opportunity to go and actually revisit the same place multiple times, different conditions of light, different conditions of atmosphere, and as well as my psycho-emotional state will be different. So I will actually perceive places and things differently, even though I visited them um, several times. And that's what I'm looking forward to, because then I'm thinking depth, my, and insight will start coming out. Because the first level, when you have a camera, when you see something as cliche, your first thought is a cliche. Your first thought is the norm, normative um, uh, impression that's in your head that's pretty much derived from media saturation, if you're following what I'm saying. It, it's a yes, propaganda yes, sure, view. Yeah. So then the second gaze may be a little different. And then the third, by the third, the fourth time, you really start looking and you start seeing things that you did not notice before because you really weren't looking, you were projecting projecting your own thoughts, premeditated thoughts on what you are seeing. So I'm looking forward to go through that process. So I will get to this phase of really being able to see a different kind of semiotic, a different kind of sign that may or may not be more in line with my intention. That's another thing because I'm seeing everything through a filter. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping that through time and revisiting over and over and over again these sites, because I plan to to go out with a camera every day. I was talking to Carrie Mae Weems, and she was telling me about when she did the Rome Prize, and it uh, opened up a whole new way of looking. She said, Todd, you're going to be just, your mind is going to get blown when you have the ability to just walk around to these places with a camera day in, day out, day in, and then look at your, uh, at your work a, a month, two months, three months later, because your, your vision is going to change, and that's what I'm really looking forward to. You know, I have a big smile on my face as you're saying it. It just sounds, you know, um, thrilling, of course, because the way you described all that also in, in terms of the gaze seems to be exactly what a residency wants to encourage with kind of long-term observation or extended observation. But also, you know, I'm smiling because it's, it's, it's one of the most kind of romantic, creative things you can do to simply wander around Rome for... Um, you know, for day day after day, as as, as Karen May Williams was saying, that just seems like it would be an experience that would not only be just um, you know kind of wonderful and and, and and romantic, as I keep saying, but also um, yeah, that it would add somehow to your to, to your to your practice that um, that that could be I don't know something completely different that I that I can't imagine, but the the, the, the aspect of just being there itself seems. Um, yeah, thrilling, thrilling, absolutely. Thrilling. Well, I think the level of criticality will be heightened, and that's what I'm looking forward to, is to see even more critically, you know, to have, really have my vision sharpened. I'm also um, looking forward to being in, falling in love again with photography, with the camera. I remember when I first started in high school, you know, I, I couldn't wait till school was over and I could just grab my, car, my camera and just trip around and take pictures. I mean, that was... You know, that was, what, 55 huh, years ago. <laughs> right. But, but, and since, you know, I'm, I'm, what, I've been educated, I've been a professor, I'm collections, all this stuff, my thought process... And then film has disappeared in that time, of course. As, as and well, it's digital. But the relationship is very serious to photography. I'm really looking forward to loosening that relationship up 
and almost being like a jazz musician instead of a classical musician. Right now I play the camera like a classical musician. And I'm looking forward to playing the camera like a jazz musician and improvise and find things and stumble, you know? And so that's, that, that's and the you say, thing. Since, since you've been using cameras for so long, is it easier to do that with a digital camera than it was with film? Or, or is there a difference? That kind of improvisation, that jazz improvisation as, you, as, as you're speaking of. The, the difference is economic because you are aware, especially when you're young, or, or, or wherever you are, that every click is about 30 cents perhaps once you, or, may, or maybe even more, once, once you think of the, pro, the price of the film, the processing of the film, and so forth. So every click is, is cost. With digital, there's no cost associated with a click, if you follow what I mean. So you can click endlessly, and it's a, pretty much the same amount of money. Um, um, uh, and you can purge but is that what creates the improvisation? I mean, that, that, that creates a certain kind of freedom, right? Um, I mean, just to get into it, the, it, the, the formalities of photography, because you've seen that whole history, it's, it's, there's a freedom, it's easier, you can shoot more. I, you see, this is the deal. I, my mind was formed on you do not click until you see it and it's right. So you keep your eye in that viewfinder and you work out all the problems and then you click, as opposed to click, 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 and then edit you know, afterwards to see what's happening. I still work as if I have film in the camera. I'm not thinking about the money, but I work the whole frame, the image out, and then I press the shutter. And I'll only press it two or three times, even though I could do it 20 times, because I think that there's really something about committing yourself to a certain kind of um, position, visual position, for lack of a better word. But I'm old school in that way. However, um, but hey, let me say this. Before I, it was like uh, Henry Cartier-Bresson and some other uh, photographers, where you're supposed to work out the image and then capture it, or maybe in, in conceptual art, you sort of think it through and then you go out and capture it. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to go out there with the camera and discover it, but I'm going to discover it slowly. That sounds exciting. I, I really wish you well there. It's, it sounds thrilling and. Um, Maybe one more question about that, that, that residency, because um, you're, of course, in residence with all these other wonderful scholars and artists while you're there. Um, and, and I know you're somewhat familiar, familiar with that terrain already, but is there a different conversation you think that happens there in Europe <laughs> in that kind of uh, context than there would be at, you know, I don't know, Skowhegan or other, other places that are, that are in the U.S.? Well, I was in regard to your work, of course. I was at the Rockefeller Bellagio residency, and there was the, oh, what is her name? She wrote the book that became the Academy Award two years ago about everybody working at Amazon and living out of their trailers and so forth. Um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. In any event, she was saying how she had to live in a van as she wrote this story for, for a magazine, which eventually became a screenplay and a movie. Um, and I was telling her, well, black people wouldn't have to worry about that. She goes, what? And I said, well, because, you know, we can get arrested just for being on the road because there's something called um, DWB, driving while black. <laughs> and I said, why people don't have, don't have that consideration? And then she was reflecting, oh, wow, she didn't see many black people while uh, she was doing the research and, and on the road. Nomadland, 
that's the name of the book and that's the name of the movie, I believe, Nomadland. And then um, she started thinking about that, and we had this conversation, and it affected, it, it sort of changed uh, uh, the, the, uh, the point of view of her writing was, uh, was diverted. So these little conversations over dinner and so forth are, are a two-way street. I, from my point of view, can actually alter or expand someone's thinking, and likewise, someone else's point of view can alter and expand mine, and that's what I'm really looking forward to. They say the dinners are the richest part of being there because you're around scholars, academics, musicologists, art historians, architects, all sorts of folks. And we're just, you know, talking. But we'll be talking Monday through Friday night for six months. <laughs> no doubt getting on each other's nerves. No doubt getting on each other's nerves as well. But I'm really looking forward to it. That's exciting to hear. Um, and so to... to just to get that name on record, I believe it was um, it was directed by uh, Chloe Zhao, the, the the movie, right? Nomadland. But there was also yeah, but it was written uh, uh, by Jessica. Was it Jessica or Julie? Gosh, man, where yeah, it was Jessica Bruder. It was Jessica Bruder. J- Jessica, was, uh, yeah, because Jessica was like this great human being, and we hung out a, little, a lot and talked a lot, and so it was through these conversations that came out, and that's when I got the. Uh, idea of using imperial gardens, imperial architecture as a way to signify power and historical um, accumulation of, of power in, in, in Western Europe. And that's what started this whole trajectory of work that I'm, I'm doing now and shall continue to do when I'm in Rome. Was the, you're talking about the book, uh, Nomadland. That, 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 that discussion started you on that, you're saying? There were other, you remember how you asked me how my, um, how that may have affected my practice, uh, being right. in a, uh, these conversations. So I told you how it affected her practice, how in her writing Nomadland. But she also pointed out to me, because I told her, how, wow, if I was here four years ago, 400 years ago, as a, as a man of color, I would not be sitting in the dining room being served. I would be a servant, if that. And then that's when um, she said, hey, Todd, you know, you need to think about that. How do you use that experience to critique. And through those conversations, we were talking about the gardens at the villa. They had 22 gardeners maintaining the gardens of the villa to the 17th century standard. And that's when I thought, wow, these gardens can actually start signing for power, signing for imperial power and soft power. And so it was from the back and forth with her and nomad land and the conversations that she'd have about uh, my discomfort being at this Rockefeller Bellagio Villa that uh, resulted in my current work. If, I hope that clarified that. That did. I'm so glad you did clarify that. That's, um, that's so clear and so interesting. I, I want to ask you the last question, which is just what are you reading at the moment? I'm most curious what everybody's reading on the back of a book here. Gosh, well, latest, well, Edward, Edward Glissant, a, um, a um, thinker from the Caribbean, French thinker, Caribbean, uh, gosh, I've been reading him, and, oh, wow, and he, he <laughs> that's a handful. I can't really, I'm, I'm reading about three of his books at once, as I'm, I'm sort of a promiscuous reader. And I, and I bounce back and forth. Um, and with Glissant, yeah, that sounds like a, a handful. Um, 
right, French writer, poet, philosopher, and, and, and critic, correct? Martinique, actually. He's from Martinique. And mm-hmm. um, he's um, just really has his own point of view about the, um, the system of capital and relationship to France and um, the slave trade and all sorts of things uh, from a historical context. And so it just really helps me uh, broaden my thinking yeah, because I just got back mm-hmm. from Paris. And so that, that really helped me look at those monuments and the whole beautiful landscape in Paris in a very critical way, not just to be, mm-hmm. um, to become intoxicated that I'm in the city of lights. <laughs> I took right. off my intoxication glasses and saw, okay, well, where did that wealth come from? <laughs> So important, and and thank you, Todd, for that, and um, and thank you for this interview today. I really appreciate your time. I wish you well with your upcoming show, and of course, Rome Prize residency. Um, thanks so much for your time. Enjoyed it. Thank you much. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. <laughs>